Welcome to the Feminine Frequency Podcast. I'm your host, Amy from Amy Natalie Co., spiritual teacher, mindset coach, and speaker. I'm here to remind you how to tap into your feminine frequency to elevate your relationships, attract more money, and feel confident in your body. Each week, I'll be sharing wisdom from guest experts and guided meditations along with my favorite spiritual mindset techniques so that you can access abundance, love, and manifest a life that is in alignment with your soul's true desires. Let's do this, sister. Hello, beautiful soul, and welcome to the Feminine Frequency Podcast. I am so grateful to have you here with me today for this inspiring and powerful conversation with my guest, Heidi Brock. I have been working behind the scenes on some very exciting creative projects that are going to be released really soon. And next week, I am hosting an in-person retreat for my clients in the Empowered and Embodied Journey, which is my six-month group coaching program. And we are in month five of this journey, and the transformations that these women have been experiencing are expanding me and inspiring me. And I'm so excited to be with these women in person after we've cultivated such a deep connection over the last five months. And a few weeks back, I went on a retreat myself in Tulum, Mexico for a leadership retreat. And I am so excited to be creating more in-person experiences for you, for my community, and to bring women together to heal and to grow. So stay tuned. Make sure to check in next week. I have an exciting announcement I'll be sharing. And also make sure that you're following me on Instagram at Amy Natalie Co. That way you can stay up to date with everything that is coming your way. All right. So this conversation that you're about to tune into with Heidi is really, really powerful because she shares her story of being in a toxic relationship and a toxic marriage and her journey to leaving that and rebuilding herself and creating a new identity for herself is so courageous. And this conversation is really important because if you have been in a toxic relationship or are currently in a toxic relationship, it will give you some really important insight on how to navigate that. And also if you haven't been in a toxic relationship, it will give you some deep understanding and compassion for someone who you know, who may currently be in a toxic relationship. And one of the things that Heidi shares is that it is way easier to stay in something familiar than to step into the unknown. And that is relevant for relationships, but it's also relevant for all other areas of our lives. Our ego likes to try and keep us safe, likes the familiar, and it doesn't like the unknown. So there are some key threads and lessons that you are going to hear throughout this story that really apply to other areas as well. One of the other core messages that I really loved from this conversation was the journey of losing yourself to find yourself. And 
I know that many of us can relate to losing ourselves along the way. We come into this world as whole and complete, and we come into this world as our own spirits and souls. And along the way, we lose ourselves in our careers. We can lose ourselves in relationships and unhealthy relationship dynamics. And then the spiritual journey is coming back home to yourself, coming back home to your authentic self. And Heidi's story is really a beautiful example of that. So Heidi is a toxic relationship awareness and healing specialist. After spending 14 years in an extremely emotionally and narcissistically abusive relationship, she broke the chains and turned her past into her passion. She left her 24-year career in healthcare to use her life experience and education to be the person she needed when she herself was trapped in the darkness of an unhealthy relationship to provide hope, healing, and freedom to those whose lives have been affected by toxic relationships, emotional abuse, and narcissistic behaviors. Through education, she presents the understanding needed to empower others to walk through fear and into their freedom. Today, she has helped hundreds of women rid and heal their toxic relationships and host the popular podcast, It's Not Normal, It's Toxic, Rid Your Life of Toxic People with over a million listens worldwide. She's also an international keynote speaker and has been featured in both Forbes and Time Magazine. You are in for a treat. Enjoy this conversation and we'll see you on the other side. Hello, Heidi. Welcome to the Feminine Frequency Podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Hi, I'm really excited to have you here and to share about your journey and really support our listeners who have either in the past experienced challenges when it comes to toxic relationships or maybe currently experiencing challenges with toxic relationships. And, you know, this is a conversation that I feel is, is not talked about a lot because there can be a lot of shame, a lot of fear for women to actually speak up about past experiences that they've had and, or if they're currently experiencing something in a relationship that is unhealthy. And so I'm really looking forward to opening this conversation and just shining a light on, on, you know, something that many women have struggled with and, or are struggling with right now. So Thank you for being here. Yes, I have been actually excited. As I was talking to you before, I do a ton of education. So when I read the description of basically the mission of your podcast, it's going to be a little bit different direction than I'm usually than I'm usually talking. So I'm super excited. So I'm grateful to have, be on here. Beautiful. Love it. <laughs> All right. So I'd love to start by you sharing, hearing about your journey because you have been through a big transformation in your life. And for many years you were in a, a toxic relationship and now you're on the other side of that. So yeah, I'd love to hear what that process was like from when you were living in that reality and, and your journey to now being a teacher and being someone who supports other women who are going through the same challenge. I grew up on a dairy farm in the middle of Montana, 
in a little tiny Christian community where we all went to the same church and we all went to the same school. And I literally saw these same people for the first 18 years of my life. You know, it was very protected. It was very, I just, I grew up in, in, in the only thing I knew, you know, we hear about people who grow up in unhealthy environments. Um, I'm not going to say my environment was normal because I don't know that anybody's normal, but I would never have said that my, my upbringing was unhealthy at all. And then with my struggle of trying to decide what, what I wanted to do with my life, um, I ended up just applying to chiropractic school because I just happened to be working for a chiropractor at that moment. And my mom finally said, okay, you've been in college for three years. Let's pick something. So I thought, well, this is about how much uh, thought went into my career. Okay. I'll apply for chiropractic school. If I get in, that's what I'll do. And I was accepted. And three months later, I moved to the Midwest to start grad school. And in that period of five years, when I was there, I, I met my former husband. Um, the reason I bring up my upbringing is because when I left where I grew up, I really think I had the feeling that everybody in the world on the planet was like the people in the community that I grew up in. I would have had no idea that this type of person was out there. I thought everybody had my best interest in mind, like I would have. I thought people were nice. I thought people, you know, were not hurtful, were not out to use you or take advantage of you. So that is, I don't call it a downfall, but that is why I feel like I stepped into this relationship so easily. I met my former husband at chiropractic school. Uh, to sum it up, I knew I did not want to marry him. Uh, he wanted to meet my parents. I beat him to my dad and said, if he asks if he can marry me, can you please tell him no? And it wasn't that I knew why. I just I just felt something, you know? So of course my dad says no. And I'm just going to lay it all out there. That very same night I found out I was pregnant, which then being raised in the community I was raised in, then I had to confront the fact that now I'm pregnant outside of marriage, right? And the next thing to do was I literally got up and left with him the next morning after my parents told me that no, I couldn't marry him. Uh, we went back, back to school because we weren't finished yet. And to sum it up, I had a baby. I got married. I had another baby. I bought a practice. Uh, pretty soon he was practicing with me. My girls were rodeoing pro full-time. And 14 years later, I ran away. Through the 14 years, it proceeded to get worse and worse. However, being in a toxic relationship is like walking into a room that stinks. If you stay in the room, the smell goes away, right? It does not mean the room doesn't stink, but you are never going to realize how bad it stinks until you step back outside into fresh air. And we'll talk a little bit more about what a toxic relationship looks like. But when you are in something like that, you are in survival mode. It is so confusing and it is so chaotic that your job on Tuesday is to get through Tuesday. And when you get through Tuesday, your job is your next job is to get through Wednesday. And when you have a practice and you have a ranch and you have two little girls and you have this, this family that from the outside looks like, oh, they are so cute and they're so successful. And, you know, you have to put up this facade and you have to keep all the fires out in the meantime. And so even if 
even if I had thought about, I don't think this relationship is healthy for me. And I, I think it's having an impact on my girls. I, I didn't have time to do anything about it because now it's Thursday, you know? And so 14 years of my life were, okay, now I got to get through today. Okay. Now I got to get through today. Now I got to get through today. And lots of stuff transpired, obviously, as it would in any relationship like this. And I ended up when I left, I was so desperate to leave because I was starting to get fearful for my life. I met my accountant and I signed my practice over. I signed my patients over. I signed my accounts receivable over. I had one of our pieces of property and I left my kids, which to this day, I do regret that, but my kids don't. They're grown now. Everything is fine. And they always reassure me, mom, we knew that you had to do that. So you have to quit feeling guilty about it. So when I left, I moved four hours away. I was $50,000 in debt. I did not have an identity because I was now a doctor with no patients. I had left all my friends. I was a mother with no kids. I didn't have anything that, that made me me. And so the rebuild from when I moved was, I don't want to say it was harder than living in that environment, but I will tell you, it was very hard. By the time I left that relationship, uh, if, if people are watching the video, you can see I have black hair. By the time I left that relationship, I am very extroverted. I am very loud. I laugh. I'm, I'm the first one dancing on the bar. That's, that's my personality. And when I left, I didn't laugh. I didn't talk. I don't think I even looked up. I, I had cut my friends out of my life. I hardly talked to my family. Um, the identity that I once had I, I didn't even know who that was. And the reason I mentioned my hair was three weeks after we got married, he, and this is just an example of how I lived. He said he always wanted to marry a blonde. So right before I left, I remember thinking, you never laugh. You don't have friends. You never talk. You walk with your head down. And I looked in the mirror and I almost had blonde hair. And I remember thinking, I have no idea who you are. I have zero idea who you are. And so you know, after I reestablished a different location, I thought it was going to be easy because I thought, oh, whew, got that over with. Now I just have to get to where I can go back and somehow get back into the lives of my kids. Like I literally had tunnel vision that that was all I had to do. And once I realized that I had no idea who I was, I couldn't make decisions. Everything made me anxious. I was scared of everything. I was worried about what everybody thought. I thought, I don't even know how I'm going to function in this life like this. And the pieces that I had to put together over the last 14 years have been hard, but they have been the best 14 years of my life because it was a, it was a 14 year journey of, of discovering who I am and who I was really supposed to be, mm -hmm. you know, and, and in that I look back and I'm, I remember being in that relationship thinking, good grief. I think I feel like I'm a good person. Like, what did I do to end up in this? You know, and now, you, you know, you know, sometimes we don't know the answers to things till a lot later. Now, I always have to say, you know, all those years I, I thought I was struggling, there was clearly a higher power that had me in training. And the higher power said, you're going to be a chiropractor, but this is just your temporary job. So you do that. And in the meantime, I'm training you for this. Mm. You know, now looking back, it's as plain as day, but, you know, going through it, I'm like, oh, my life is such a joke. I remember that used to be my motto. I used to be like, my life is such a joke. Well, you know how when you put stuff like that out there in the universe, yeah, 
you're going to, you're going to feel like your life is a joke, but the, the rebuilding part, which is scary for many was, was the absolute funnest part of my life. And now, um, I should mention my girls are grown. I left them when they were 11 and 13, they are 24 and 26. Now they are on their own. They're doing very, very well. They call me 92 times a day now. And so things happen like they're supposed to is my basic belief now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Takes so much courage to leave, especially as you mentioned, when you have kids and when you don't know what's going to be coming on the other side, you don't necessarily have a plan or, you know, another life that you're leaving to. It really is just like this. I can't be in this situation anymore. And now I'm, you know, I'm starting over. So yeah, I just really want to acknowledge the courage that that takes. And I'm curious about like that moment where you were like, I can't do this anymore and how you actually decided to leave. Okay. So, so that's a whole interesting thing too which I should preface to the listeners. You've heard me say chiropractor. I always want to make sure that people listening know that I am not a licensed mental health professional. Okay. My doctorate is in chiropractic and acupuncture. And so those people who are seeing therapists and counselors, I am an educator. So, so don't replace me with your, you don't replace your therapist or your counselor with me. I do something completely different than them. So I just want to make sure that, that the listeners know that, but moving back to how I dared leave. I tried to leave six times. I went back seven times. And when we think about the onlookers wondering, how come she keeps going back? How come she keeps putting up with that? It is way easier to stay in something that's familiar than to step into something that you don't know. And when I would think about leaving, all my finances were controlled by him. Um, The kids were controlled by him. All the property was controlled by him. I really felt like I didn't have an option because there was too many what ifs out there. And if I couldn't make a plan and know how I was going to take care of myself, I better just stay where it's familiar because even if it's bad, I know what's coming. I know what to expect. And I've learned and been trained how to operate within this environment. So, you know, when I, when I finally did leave and for people who listen to my podcast, they hear about the day that I ran away, the day that I ran away, I was actually already divorced for two years. That's a big shock to people because, and it was a big shock to me because I had the divorce papers in my hand and I thought, yes, I'm done. I'm done with this and everything's going to be good. And now we're going to be able to co-parent and now forget, forget that, you know, it's in this type of situation. It's not about the relationship. It's about the control they have over you that makes them feel secure. So they don't really care about the relationship. So he didn't care if I had divorce papers, if he could still control the finances, if he could still control, you know, the girls and the things they were doing, if he could still control all of the buying and selling of the property and, and have to approve of everything in my life. And so two years after I was divorced, of course, I started standing up for myself. And when, when you start not supplying them with the things they need to feel secure, like the control and the power and the attention things tend to escalate and things started getting physical and they started getting louder and they started getting bigger and they started getting dangerous. And all of my clients, when they call me for the first time, I think they expect me to tell them if they should stay or go. And, and I always have to go back. I always put myself back in the position 
where I was when, when I was where they're at. Because we always have people saying, why don't you just leave? If it's that bad, why are you still there? And the reality is we are not going to leave until we are ready to leave. Mm. It doesn't matter how many times my mom tells me to leave. It doesn't matter if my friend and her family moved me out. It doesn't matter, you know, how, how bad it is. If you're not ready to leave, you're not going to leave. So when people say, you know, how do I know, how do I know when it's time to leave? And, and my daughters have this saying, everybody wants me to print it on a t-shirt, but my daughters say just one morning, you're going to wake up and it's going to be half past quarter till I don't give a crap. And you will know that today's the day you're leaving. And, and people don't believe it when I say it, but once they experience today's the day I'm done, they believe it. Mm -hmm. And it's because all of a sudden they're ready. Yeah. Yeah. I had a very similar experience when I left my marriage, I was not in a toxic relationship, but I contemplated many times very similarly to, to leave and, and deciding, you know, am I actually going to do this? I know I'm unhappy. I know that this isn't the right relationship for me. And I think either way, whether in a toxic relationship or not, you know, in my case, there wasn't quote unquote, anything wrong, or there wasn't anything that I could point my fingers at and say, oh, he was doing this, or this is unhealthy. And the decision to leave, it's not an overnight thing. It's a, it's an inner process of, of really connecting with what's true for you and connecting with what's in your highest good and your best interest. And like you said, it, you know, many people will, will, leave and come back, leave and come back or wait until they literally can't take it anymore and then make the decision to leave. And I had very similar advice from, from a, a life coach that I was working with at the time who, you know, she shared the same thing of one day you'll know. And while that's frustrating, cause you're like, but I want to know right now, I want to mm -hmm. have the answers. It's also like, you know, there is divine timing in it. And there is a certain sense of, of confidence and self-worth and self-trust that it takes to finally make that decision. And also like a faith in my case, a faith in a higher power that there has to be something better than this. Mm -hmm. Like this can't just be it. Mm -hmm. Can you relate to that? Yeah. And I, I also think too, that, um, and this is, this is why I do what I do. I needed to be the person that I needed when I was going through it. And when you are in a, in a toxic relationship, I'm going to give the definition of toxic relationship really quick. Okay. Toxic is not a diagnosis. Toxic is just an adjective that is used to describe any relationship in the status that it's in that may be unhealthy for you mentally, physically, or emotionally. And it can be anything from the bully on the playground all the way up to like the person that I ran away from. So there's a whole different, there's a whole scale of toxic. But when, when we talk about, you know, when you're ready to leave, I have found that logically, and, and you will probably understand, logically, you can look at this relationship and you can go, I don't think this is the best relationship for me. But as soon as our emotions get involved, it clouds our logic. Well, maybe I didn't try hard enough. Well, maybe I was overreacting. Well, maybe it's me. Well, maybe I need help. Well, maybe I don't know how to be a wife. And so, so it clouds our logic because we also don't want to hurt the other person. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and normally a toxic personality who is in relationships for the security in themselves is going to seek out 
someone who is more empathetic and who is more driven by emotion because they're, they're more able to get what they need from that person. So we keep looking for ourselves in these other people. How come they can't just be nice? How come they can't just be normal? Because we only know how we function. And in reality, they're wired completely different than us. And so it's understanding your situation for what it really is. And that's what I provide. I provide the education so that you can see the toxic person from a perspective that they see themselves. We quit, we quit thinking about what they're saying and what they're doing. And we start asking, yes, but what's motivating them to say and do it? Because as soon as you know what motivates their behavior, that's when, that's when you take your power back. And that's when you can go, okay, now I get it. And I'm not doing this one more day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing what the, what the definition is. And I know there's such a wide spectrum of what it means, you know, what toxic relationship means to others. But like you were saying, when you're in a relationship there, there is so much safety and security that one seeks in the relationship. Mm -hmm. And it, it does get very cloudy, especially when you're your lives are so intertwined, you know, there's mm -hmm. so much that, especially once you get to a place of being married or living with someone or sharing finances, there, there's so much enmeshment in, in each other. Mm -hmm. And I think this really comes back to what you were talking about earlier of once you've lost your identity in a relationship to then leave when you don't really know who you are, that's a whole nother journey. So I'd love to hear a little bit about that, that process for you of rebuilding your identity, rediscovering who you were after 14 years of being in a, a space of, of maybe trying to fit into how your former husband wanted you to be or who you thought you needed to be mm -hmm. to look on the outside, like everything was okay, but losing yourself in the process. So let's talk about that rebuilding process of, of after you left and you said it was really fun. And I imagine it was also really challenging to, to have to rediscover yourself at mm -hmm. that point. Yeah. It wasn't really fun in the beginning. And I will tell you that I am remarried. I have been remarried for 10 years and I met him right at the kind of the end of my relationship. And, and he was the person in my life that made me go, I didn't know if I was in love with him. I didn't, I didn't know at that point, but he was the person in my life that made me go exactly what you said a minute ago. There's a possibility that there's something better out here. And I accredit him for that, even though he didn't do anything but meet me, because over all the years, all the people that cared about me wanted me out. And I, I didn't see how leaving would be any better than staying. The other thing I would mention, just because I know that, that your audience is mostly female, toxic relationships aren't just intimate relationships. They can be friendships, they can be coworker situations, they can be family members, they can be in your social circles. So when we're talking about this, think outside of, of your just your intimate type relationship also. Okay, so when I first moved, I had to work. Okay, I had left everything. I had, I had taken the time to get a license in the state that I was in. So I had to work. I didn't have any equipment. I didn't have any money to get a loan. So I started a handbag company. And I just bought handbags and I went to vendor shows and I did home parties. And I, I can't even tell you how many handbags I unpacked and stuffed and hauled around. But I was able to pay for the first about two years of my office expenses with the handbags I sold. So my handbag company was paying to keep 
my chiropractic office open when I, when I first started. And it's so funny people are like, how did you think of that? I, I have no idea. I just am a problem solver and I just was trying stuff, I guess. But then, you know, I was still very hesitant to make big decisions, to meet people. If I'm building a business, I have to get out there in this new community where I don't know anybody. And I would literally go to these networking events and I would sit in the car and I would never go in because I was, what if people don't like me? What if, you know, what if I don't fit in? What if this, what if that? And I spent, I spent a good first two years of me trying to build this practice, like building it in a dark room where nobody could even see me because I was so worried to put myself out there. And it was about three years in probably. And now when I say I left my kids, um, it was, it was very parental alienation. Like I didn't see them or hardly speak to them unless they were having an emergency for almost five years. So after about three years, I really started feeling like I was never going to get my kids back. And so I thought you are going to have to figure out how to function if he's turned your kids completely against you. So I started trying new things and trying new things would put a huge pit in my stomach. But, but I, I tried yoga. I did hot yoga. I, I just tried, I tried everything that I hadn't tried for the first time. And I hated it. I hated everything for the first time because I was the new person. And again, what if they didn't like me? And, you know, and I started establishing some friendships, but I also started noticing how my body felt in different situations. You know, when you're in a toxic environment, you live with tension all the time. You hear people talk about walking on eggshells. Okay. That walking on eggshells feeling, this is where my healthcare comes in. That is your body's innate intelligence telling you something's wrong. That pain in your stomach, that feeling of anxiety, your body knows where it's safe and your body knows where it's not safe. So when I started noticing that there were situations that I would get really anxious in, and then there was other situations I didn't, I started paying attention to who was in my surroundings when I was anxious. And it was usually people who I didn't mesh with, or I felt intimidated by, or, and so I, I really started listening to my body. And even though I was pushing myself, if I would get in a group that I didn't feel good in, so what? The old Heidi would have been like, okay, I'll just try harder. I'll just try to fit in. I'll just go get a new Gucci purse so that I'm carrying the same bag that everybody else is carrying. And, you know, and I'll just make myself fit in. Well, slowly I started realizing I don't, I don't have to fit in with these people. If people don't like me, I don't care. They're, they're not my people. And I started getting a lot stronger in keeping myself out of situations that I felt anxious in and putting myself, spending more time in the situations that I felt comfortable in. And the more time I spent in the situations I felt comfortable in, guess what happened? I started laughing. I started talking. I started walking with my head up. I started making friends, you know, and, and this was a long, long process. I had been married for two years and I have always been married in the rodeo world. Like I said, I'm from Montana. My former was a roper. My kids barrel raced. I am now married to an ex bucking horse rider. Right. And one day he said to me, you know, I really like it that you come to the rope and pin with me. And, and, and I like it that you like to run the rope and shoot and you like to be out there with me and you like to go on road trips to get hay if I have to. But I want you to know, I know you've been trained. Your former husband trained you to be in his back pocket. I couldn't have friends. I couldn't do things on my own. I had given up all my hobbies because it took up too much time and he needed my attention. So my, my now husband says, I know that you've been trained that you have to be in my back pocket, but you don't. So he said, I will give you till Friday to find a new hobby. And I was like, oh, 
So I started going through this list. Now I had not spent the 14 years in my former marriage. My attention was 100% on keeping the peace and keeping everybody else in my world. Okay. So I had not spent any time on what do I want in my life? What do I want my life to look like? What are my goals? But he says, find a hobby. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I mean, he would say, where do you want to go to eat? And I couldn't even answer that. We just go wherever you want. Right. Because we don't want to cause conflict. So we just go along with what everybody else is doing. So I had till Friday to find a hobby. And so I went through the list of things I want to do. Well, I didn't really like this and I didn't really like that. And then I went through the list of hobbies that I had given up. And I didn't really want to do those either because they still triggered me. I still had really bad memories and really bad feelings about those hobbies. So we get till Friday and Heidi didn't think of a hobby. And so my now husband says, well, okay, I figured you wouldn't pick one. So when we first started dating, you told me you always wanted to bodybuild. So if you didn't pick a hobby, you're doing that. And then, it, and then if you find something different you want to do, then quit that, right? And I was like, oh my gosh, are you sure I said that? Because like, who just jumps into something like that, right? But I thought, okay. And so I did it and I competed and I got my pro card. Um, yeah, but I didn't love it. I didn't mind the workout. I didn't mind the meal plan, but I hated being on stage. And, but what it did for my self-confidence, I mean, it pushed me into every uncomfortable zone I had to be in. And that's when I realized I have to make myself uncomfortable if I'm going to grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What you shared about the questions about asking, you know, what do I like? What do I want? What makes me happy? Those are questions that I think before someone is really on a self-discovery path, they are questions that we don't really ask ourselves very often. And it's no wonder that we end up in situations where we're unhappy or we feel like something's missing or just really not knowing who we are and feeling disconnected from ourselves mm-hmm. because constantly trying to appease other people or un- and it's a lot of it is unconscious right it's not like you were consciously ignoring what made you happy it's like these we never really learn how to ask these questions of what makes me happy what makes me feel alive what am i passionate about and instead focus on everyone else because trying to gain the approval of other people or trying to fit in or you know do the things that other people you think other people want for you and that's such a huge turning point on the the rediscovery path it is really tuning into and creating space for the curiosity of what are the mm-hmm. little things? They could be little things. Maybe you don't know, but each thing leads to something mm-hmm. else. Each little thing that you try, it then leads mm-hmm. to something else. Mm-hmm. And yeah, what you shared about, you know, the, the stepping out of your comfort zone. And even when things feel uncomfortable, that is tr- when you're trying something new, it is mm-hmm. going to be uncomfortable. I was super scared of change. And now if you ask my friends, they're like, oh my gosh, if something is not changing, Heidi is beside herself. Like if something's not changing, I'm, I'm not growing. Uh-huh. And so I'm always changing stuff up just for the listeners. If, if you, and this is, this is, I'll just throw it out there. I have, I have put in place in my life tools that I know that keep me on track for living my life. One, I know I still have triggers from my former relationship. Two, I'm also a very kind, caring person. Three, I will make decisions based on how it affects other people. And so I have a whole series of, of things that I do to keep myself true to myself. And one of the things really easy that your listeners could do is 
take two pieces of paper and write the alphabet on each one. And on the first one, write something that starts with each letter that you want more of in your life. And on the second one, write something that starts with each letter that you want less of in your life. And 90% of the time, what we're paying attention to is the list of what we want less of. If we can switch how we're thinking and start paying attention to the list of what we want more of, that's where you're going to start feeling like your life is going your direction. But, but we, we think about, oh, I don't want to fight, or I don't have any money, or you know, I don't want to spend the holidays with my crazy aunt. Or, and we, we think about the things we don't want instead of the things we want. And it's, it's really a reprogramming so that your mind is, I mean, it's the law of attraction. What you focus on is what you attract. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And when you're in survival mode, of course, you mm-hmm. it's really hard to think about what you want and what you desire yep. and have have the vision for what you want to create because your nervous system is just trying to get through each day, like yep. you mentioned before. So, I think it's really beautiful that, you know, through that process of of meeting your now husband and having someone who can can show you new possibilities, I, I believe that the universe really does send us I call them earth angels or, or, mm-hmm. you know, messengers who are here to show us what's possible. And mm-hmm. yeah, sounds like your current husband was one of those, those mm-hmm. people who really supported you on this journey to, to recovery. Yeah, very much. He will, he refuses to be in the spotlight. He thinks I give him too much credit, but yeah, I don't know where I would be. I probably would have figured it out eventually, but yes, yeah. I'm very thankful for him. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing about your story. I know you have so much more to teach in this conversation around toxic relationships. And I know you have a podcast and other places where our listeners can continue connecting with you. So what is the best place for everyone to find you? Uh, Well, my website, you can find almost everything on my website and that's coachingwithdrheidi.com. The podcast is called It's Not Normal, It's Toxic. And you will get a lot of education on how the toxic person operates. That's been very popular. I only started that podcast so I would get used to talking about it because you said at the beginning, we don't talk about it. We're not allowed to talk about it when we're in it. We don't, we have so much shame when we get out of it. And so I only started that to start telling my story. And now it's been three years and I'm still telling it. But so that's called, it's not normal. It's toxic like yours. It's on every major platform. Um, the, uh, the other thing I would mention is I do run a private support group on Facebook. People who are in emotionally abusive situations have a really hard time finding people in their circle who understand. Um, if you haven't been in one, it's very difficult to understand the dynamic that goes on. So I run a support group on Facebook. It's called Strength Within. And in that group, you, you really don't have to explain yourself. People are all in the same situation and I keep it very, very encouraging. I monitor, we don't, we don't toxic person bash in there. I am focused on forward motion. Mm-hmm. We already know what they do. We already know what they say. Now, how can we rebuild our life so that we're living the life that we're supposed to be living? Beautiful. That sounds like an amazing resource and we'll link everything in the show notes. Thank you again for being here. Thank you for sharing your story. And I know that this is going to reach the perfect woman in the perfect time. So thank you so much. Yes. Thank you for having me.
Thanks again for tuning in today. If you found value from this conversation, I invite you to take a screenshot and share it on Instagram. You can tag me at Amy Natalie Co. I always love hearing from you. Send me a message. Let me know your takeaways. Also, I have a beautiful free gift for you. If you have not already downloaded the Empowered Feminine Morning Ritual, it is a 20-minute audio guide for you to listen to in the morning to start your day feeling empowered and embodied. You can find the link for that recording in the show notes. And lastly, if you are a regular listener here and you enjoy this podcast, I invite you to leave a rating and a review. This is the best way to support this podcast in reaching more women around the world. To leave a rating and a review, you can scroll down on the podcast app on Apple Podcasts or on iTunes and leave a quick review to share what you love most about this podcast and how it has impacted your life. Thanks again for being here and we'll see you next Monday for another episode of The Feminine Frequency. Thank you.